You are listening to Innovators Can Laugh with Eric Melcher, where I dive into the interesting and fascinating stories of innovators and startup founders from Europe. Let's dive in. Hi, everyone. Eric here. And before we start the show, I just want to give a shout out to everyone who is playing Innovators Can Laugh with me on Twitter and are helping to make the show even better. Special thanks to Anna Maria Yuga and the underscore MoBiz for contributing to this show. All right. If you'd like to receive a shout out, then follow me on Twitter at E underscore Melcher and play innovators can laugh with me. Now let's jump into today's show. My guest today is Monica Kakute, who is founder and CEO of Teachers Lead Tech, whose goal is to empower primary school teachers and kids so they can learn to create with tech as a basic skill along with reading in writing and arithmetic. Monica, welcome to the show. Hey, hi. Very pleased to be here. Yeah, no, no, excited to have you here. You said it's actually sunny over there in Vilnius today. So are you going to get outside, get some fresh air? I actually, we moved with our entire family to a small beach town in Lithuania. So it's it's a bit different scene. It's much more quiet, but somehow we get more sun. Well, I don't know if you're lucky this season, but yeah, so it's, I hope I'll, get, I'll go just have some uh, sea time today as I try to visit sea at least for five minutes every day. Cool, cool. So you can walk to the beach from where you're from? Yeah. Or where you're living? Ten minute walk or a one minute walk. Nice. Yes. <laughs> okay. This is a kind of a silly question, but are there any surfers over there that you see? Not, not on the, on the beach I live at because it's uh, the Baltic waves are not very surfer friendly. And there's actually only one spot in Lithuania, which is in Klippa, the city that has uh, surfers. And then I served there last summer, but, but yeah, it's, you know, it's um, zero degrees in the sea now. So not even, <laughs> I, I saw a kite surfer yesterday. And I'm like, dude, okay. you love your sport, you know, it's freezing. <laughs> yeah, no, that's pretty chilly. I mean, I don't even like running in zero degree weather, much less getting in the ocean in zero degree weather. Okay, so let's go ahead and get started here. In one or two sentences, tell us about you, Monica. I'm a very curious person who likes to think in systems that are changing, reshaping, or making others' lives, other people's lives easier. I would love to have, I would love have to have more sunny days and surf more. Uh, but at the moment, I'm a mom of three and pandemic added extra new roles to my life. So, and I'm a passionate reader and I do believe that societies should be finding ways to make, to build systems that every person in the system, you know, benefits and has a good life instead of, you know, focusing on the ones who are already in the privileged position. Okay. How old are your kids? My boys are eight and my daughter is six. So it's, I think we're entering the golden age <laughs> with my kids because before that it was a lot of, you know, daily care and a lot of things you have to do for them. And now... Oh, I know. I've got a four-year-old and a two-year-old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're in the phase. <laughs> you know? And now we're in the phase of more, you know, just willing to spend more time with them and uh, having these conversation buddies. And we discuss a lot. We fight a lot. We're a very loud family. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's, yeah. never, it's never boring in our house. 
Oh yeah. Once you're a parent, you never, you never say I'm bored. Yeah. You know, those <laughs> words never come out of your mouth once you're a parent. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. So let's get started with some fun questions that tell us about your personality. First question for you, aside from where you live now, what city do you think you would like to live in? Melbourne. Okay. All right. Melbourne, Australia. Have you been there? No. <laughs> okay. You see, you just seen something on, on TV or pictures and you think warm that's water, warm water for surfing and swimming entire year works for me, you know? Okay. Okay. Next, next question for you. What is something that you're stubborn about? Uh, basic human rights. Okay. Yeah. You believe very, very strongly in this. And so we're going to get into uh, your startup that kind of goes into this. Yeah. But, but I hear you. All right. All right. Next question for you. <clears throat> Tell me about a celebrity. This could be an actor or a musician or somebody that you had a crush on as a teenager. Oh my God, I'll have to think a lot crush. Was it a sports star? Was it an actor? It could have been a teacher. I don't have, you know, to be like a crush. I think it would be someone like Justin Timberlake, that cheesy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> this this actually reminds me of something really funny. I went on a Monday night, you know, Monday night, it's kind of slow, right? Yeah. I met a friend at a bar in Houston where they had ping pong tables. And we met there to have a couple of beers and play ping pong. I walk in and I'm dressed like very sloppery. You know, it's a Monday night. I'm just meeting a buddy there. I walk in, the place is filled. The entire room is filled with these women that are dressed in these nice dresses. They've got their hair done. <laughs> they look really beautiful. It must've been like 50, 50 women in there. And there was like three guys, <laughs> me, the bartender and my friend. We're looking at each other. We, we didn't understand what the hell was going on. We're like, what the hell is going on, right? We, we just cannot believe it. So we couldn't even play ping pong because it was just like, what the, what's going on? Turns out Justin Timberlake was playing uh, in a couple of blocks next door to the, to the venue. He was, in, he was in town for a concert. So that explained it. Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. So, so, <laughs> I, I wasn't that big of a fan, and I guess, but yeah, he, he was one of those... Uh, and now when I think about it, he was, he is one of those musicians who transitioned quite smoothly from being, you know, in a boy band and just doing his music. Uh, so uh, yeah, yeah. now when I think from an adult perspective, he, yeah, he is a startup in, in his own music in a way as well. So yeah. All right, cool. Next question for you, Monica, I challenge you to compliment another entrepreneur or startup founder, who would it be? And why would you compliment them? Ooh, very nice one. Hmm. I think it will be one of the founders of Klarna. I'm very bad at pronouncing Scandinavian names, but he's the guy who set up Norskin Foundation. That is basically a foundation dedicated to unconventional impact startups and in the region and they're doing a lot of action both in the nordics and they just announced a 200 million fund for impact startups in africa so i think he i don't know much about you know Klarna business but it gives me a hope that people who gain power visibility and uh, wealth are 
are shifting from gaining more wealth to distributing wealth through, you know, creative and impact-driven startup businesses. So I think it's just an right. inspiration for both from, you know, kind of from a business leader, but both from a kind of a, a thought leader. And it's a very, very special, nuanced uh, Scandinavian way of seeing things. And I really, really appreciate that. Because uh, okay. when you asked me the question, I thought that there's quite a few Nordic Nordic founders I'm really, really impressed by. So okay. uh, uh, Klarna CEO is one of them. All right. Thank you. All right. Okay. Last question for you. Tell me a silly reason why you once cried or sobbed. Oh my God. I'm such an easy crier. Every Christmas ad, <laughs> you see. Anything sentimental, anything uh, sentimental. I have my daughter waiting, waving to me <laughs> behind the. <laughs> uh, so everything, every sentimental okay. movie I cry about uh, usually, and I very, very, very often cry when when I'm you know when I'm just in awe of gratitude of how I'm rewarded with the most amazing people in my life. I just get to. Okay get to meet people who are like, oh, was I so good that you, <laughs> you know, someone brought you as a present, just, you know, so open hearted, okay. beautiful people. All right. All right. Okay. Now it's time to play some innovators can laugh here. I just sent you a link. Sure. If you go in the chat room here, you can click on it. And when you see the pause button, pause the video, go ahead and hit play. You're going to see, uh, Aymantas Begeza. And you're just going to learn about him real quick. So go ahead and see what he says about himself. And the music can be loud. That's fine. So my background is education. I have been teaching others uh, since uh, school, uh, since I can remember, since eighth grade. I have been substituting teachers at school in 10th grade. And I was always a physicist. He came to win at multiple national Olympiads. So part of my DNA is that the other part eventually turned out to be startups. <laughs> Okay. okay. First pause. All right. Now, here we go. Let's play here. I'm going to give you a question, a question that I asked Imantas, and you're going to see if you can guess the correct answer. I'm going to give you four choices. Okay. Nice. I love to. Now, <laughs> okay. I asked Imantas, hey, Imantas, let's say you found the one. How would you propose? Okay. How would you propose? Here, here are the choices. A, send a text message, B, play a super fun game. And when the person gets it right, then you can pop the question as the reward. C, at a nice restaurant or D, put a ring inside a fortune cookie. So A, text message, B, play a super fun game, C, at a nice restaurant or D, put a ring inside a Chinese fortune cookie. I'd go if either I'm I'm juggling between B and D. Let's go for B. Okay, let's hit play and see what he says. So there was a restaurant, there was the setting, but the whole engagement happens the way more naturally all after the romantic dinner in our in the comfort of our own home. Pause it. All right. So answer was C at a nice restaurant in the home. Okay. Okay. Don't worry. We got three more questions here. Okay. I'm ready. All right. 
All right, right. Hey, and I forgot to tell you though, at the end of the season, whichever Lithuanian startup founder has the most points, who had who got the most correct questions, they're gonna get they're gonna get a prize. So nice. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there's some there's 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 yeah, okay. All right, next question for you. I asked Imanthus, how many books have you read in the last three months? Okay, here here's your choices. A 15, B zero, C six. Or D, 3.67 times pi? A. A. All right, let's see what he says. Like six. Like six would be my guess. <laughs> I was hoping more, Amontas. You got to catch up. <laughs> okay, okay. Next question I asked Amontas. I asked him, what's the most riskiest death-defying act you've ever done? Okay, here are the choices. A, he ran with the bulls in Spain. B, skydiving. C, launching his startup. Or D, not wearing a mask for COVID when he goes inside a store. Definitely, what do you think I might have definitely, said? Definitely C. <laughs> All right, let's see what he says. Go. <laughs> But the other addition of me, that's not the, the project which I'm now currently in with my startup. All right. You got <laughs> one. <laughs> All right. You got one. You got one. Okay. Last question here. I asked Imanthus to tell me about a contest, a game, or a challenge that he won before. Okay. And here's your choices. A, fencing. B, Olympiads. C, Chess or D salsa dancing. Mm, I'll go fancy. Let's go fencing. <laughs> Good play. Mention I would name uh, Olympiad because as I mentioned, it's part of my DNA. So yeah, in twelfth grade, I, I, I was nominated as the best physicist in the field. So which, which this is this is the one I'm most proud of. Olympiads, yeah. Okay. Hey, you got you got one out of four. That's not bad. Yeah, not I, I had bad. not too bad. That's not bad. I had a couple of guests here that got zero. So you're you're ahead of the, you're ahead of them. Okay. Now, all right. Thanks for playing. Let's go back to your childhood. Can you tell me what that was like? What was your childhood like, Monica? To be honest, I had a very very spectacular childhood because I was born in 1986, which was you know just before the end of Soviet Union. So I was born in Soviet Union, but I grew up as a child in, you know, independent Lithuania. And so there, I think my childhood was filled with worry, hope, then with adrenaline all over when we were, when the entire nation tried, tried to get back to normal and to rebuild itself. So I think it was a very, both exciting and both anxious time to live as a child. My childhood was quite warm in terms of the people I had in my life. And uh, I was lucky enough that my parents took my education quite seriously, that, that they didn't think that outside school activities are, you know, just, you know, something that, you know, is, uh, is not important. And uh, I also had a lot of space to communicate with people. I was eight, I guess, when I uh, spent my first summer in Moscow and I traveled a lot. 
So I was a very different child to my classmates when living in a small post-Soviet Lithuanian town. So it's a, it was a very, very mixed environment. So I think it shaped, shaped who I am a lot um, today. Did you have any siblings growing up or no? Yeah, I have two sisters, two younger sisters. I'm the eldest one. So I have uh, a girl's gang. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. And now you got two boys and a little girl. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, boys having boys is such a new world to me because yeah. the intensity and the, the, the difference of the energy and the, some similarities. Yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting world. <laughs> okay. Let's jump to the beginning of your career. You were a social media executive for a few years. And uh, what did you like about that role? And how do you feel social media has changed in the past 10 years? I guess social media was my choice because I previously was working in small agency in Lithuania in, in advertising sphere. And moving to social media was more following my passion for technology. And uh, because it was in 2010, everything was so new. Uh, so yep. even as a graduate in a, on a graduate placement, I had something to say because even clients or, you know, seniors didn't have much experience exactly. with that. Yeah. So it's, it's, it was really, really exciting. But at the same time, at the same time, just, just, it also felt that everyone is jumping to social media just to make some noise rather than to make change. And I guess, I guess uh, it was, to me, change was something I was very passionate about. So I started my first startup, I guess, in in year two when living in London. So it's, uh, I really, really kind of used social media career just to understand how community channels work and also okay. just to check if advertising is something for me, because I, I was curious uh, there. Uh, but yeah, startups and opportunities when building or working in startups excited me very, very early. Yeah, your first startup that you launched, I believe this may have been Communications Lemon Labs. Is that correct? One of your no, first startups? Actually, actually, it was the third one. <laughs> okay. Because I had my first one where I wanted to build like an Etsy for Baltic artisans. Huh. And I've started that. But I think that at that moment, I just lacked commitment. And I was, mm, yeah, I guess I just lacked commitment to the <laughs> idea and the, and the kind of, and the grit that is required to actually, actually build something meaningful. And then I had this uh, other idea that I've started in London, but when I decided to move to Lithuania, I was invited by a team at Lemon Labs. And uh, it was really a fantastic time with one of the smartest people here in Lithuania building, you know, something new. And we, built, we were building apps for leading Lithuanian tech companies and brands. And it was really, really exciting. And I left to, to maternity leave and those guys were acquired by 312. So I had, you know, space to actually come back and think what is my next chapter and what I want to commit to for kind of a longer period. Though I was still resistant because I like easy. <laughs> and, you know, building startups is not easy. So I'm always in a little conflict, you know how to find easy in a non-easy environment. <laughs> okay. And then 
what made you take the leap to launch uh, Teachers Lead Tech? This is something that you, I guess I would say fairly recently within the past three years. Was it something that was bugging you? You know, it, I, I started working in education in 2015, so I'm here for seven years already. I took a leap seeing that, you know, I worked in technology industry and I really believed in the potential of the industry, both of the companies and the people and the opportunities. And at the, at the same time, I saw, you know, very, very few, very kind of alarming things. One industry was heavily led by guys, uh, both, you know, in Silicon Valley or Lithuania. So decision-making ideas, problems to solve, ways of solving problems and building organizations. So basically we gave entire industry to a group of people and a lot of voices were not heard in the system. And, okay. and the second one was that I really saw in technology industry that because people do not have a blended background in technology, they're usually an engineer or a designer or a customer support specialist. It was very hard for them to think uh, holistically and they were pulling the rugs to each, to, you know, to one other, not together, but, you know, to one side, to just one-sidedly. And uh, this was also a very interesting thing to me because I understood that because it was not a part of public education, it was part of a higher education. And usually those guys were self-taught engineers and uh, they didn't see it, discipline holistically. And uh, so, yeah, these two big things, seeing the, but how actually, you know, technology industry is basically reshaping how we live, how we think how we communicate, how we love, you know, where we live, everything, basically. I just really wanted to understand what needs to change in the educational system, that it's not a privilege to have these skills for, a, you know, a few percentage of people, but to have it as a basic skill to understand and create in 21st century for many. So I started an after-school club for kids back in- Primary the kids? Kids in primary school? Yeah, yeah, seven to 12. Okay. And you know, I had two big dreams. One was that when my kids enter, you know, primary education, that it will be, you know, part of the formal education already. And, mm -hmm. and, yeah, and the second one was finding ways to, you know, to, to meet every child, not only the ones who have, um, curious or strategic parents, but also kids who are, you know, just going to school and this could be a huge opportunity to, for them just to be seen and have a skill set that is not traditionally celebrated in, in the school right now, but it's heavily celebrated in the market. So, okay. uh, I was running an after school club with this heaviness in me, understanding that, you know, reaching few thousands of kids is not changing the system. And uh, my inner startupper was, you know, bumping head and thinking, so where is the scaling point? <laughs> Who do I, what do I need to do to find the scaling point there? And, uh, you know, when running an after-school club, I was everyone. I was the guide for parents. I was, you know, working on curriculum. I was running uh, lessons for kids, talking on, on with industry leaders, et cetera, et cetera. So, there was a lot of physical work and I understood that when, if technology steps in, we just can reach more kids. Just a simple thing. Yep. And we, in 2018, were the first ones to be rewarded with a grant from google.org 
uh, to do something in the Baltics. And my, you know, my first idea was, you know, oh, we'll just give more, you know, we'll invite more kids. But then I realized that it's just such a waste of money because it goes nowhere. There's no sustainability behind that. And it was, you know, a one painful understanding that the people who we need to serve are actually primary school teachers because they're the ones who are building the basics of understanding of who you are as a learner and what is important in the learning process. And when I just started digging, I realized, you know, as a society, we kind of forgot that there is a group of people who are responsible every day for entire education of our country. And this is not, you know, ministers or government officials. It's the it's the teachers who come to school every day, despite, you know, whatever happens. Yeah. And they do go with the headache to bed of thinking of how, how to help that one child that is struggling at school. And uh, yeah. And the love they have for the children and the dedication and discipline is so undervalued. And I was like, we need to get better at this and we need to build systems to empower teachers, bring back their voice and also bring new skills to them rather than always talk about how, how bad education is. You know, there's so many problems in education. Yeah, but to those who work there, they just keep trying. And no one is coming there and saying, you know, okay, let's do things differently. We'll be there for you, you know? Yeah. And when we shifted to primary school teachers, I think I had to also take off my arrogant hat of I know it all and uh, just humbly offer this opportunity to them because we cannot tell them, we cannot require, we can only invite them yeah. uh, because they do so much already. And, yep. uh, and I guess one of the things we, we have in our team's value system is whenever we were making a decision, we're asking ourselves, is this helping our teachers? Be it, you know, investment decision, partnership decision, teacher decision. Is this really helping our teachers? Because I don't think that there are many products or, or even, or even the projects that deeply, deeply think about the perspective of the teacher. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and I guess, I guess, yeah. So that's, and that ended up being this, our pivot from, you know, an after school club to a product for teachers ended up being at the same time when the pandemic hit. So it was a roller coaster. <laughs> when teachers first learn about teachers lead tech, what is it that they get excited about, Monica? I guess those, you know, true open-hearted teachers, they kind of feel that kids today need different type of pedagogy. They have a knowing inside, but they don't know how to express it in words. So when we just, when we say to them that this brings, you know, creativity, logical thinking, inclusivity, ownership, relevancy to kids in their classroom, I think that's where we buy them. And the second part, our main goal is actually not to bring teachers to our product. Our main goal to bring our product uh, our, through teacher skills to kids. And, you know, uh, what entire system we're building to optimize, to optimize smoother teachers transition from just a learner to an actual work in the classroom. 
And whenever teachers start working with kids in the classroom, they just get a big relief. They just okay. get a big relief because they understand that it's not that there's something wrong with them when they're teaching kids today. It's just the tools and the ways that need to change. And they're still relevant as professionals in, in modern education. Approximately how many teachers have enrolled into the program? Now we have 3,000 plus teachers, which is, you know, a bit more, a bit more, almost, yeah, 50% of entire teacher population in Lithuania. That's fascinating. And are you in any other markets outside Lithuania? We're, you know, we're, as we talk, we're uh, launching in Poland next month. And so gathering our first cohort of teachers, which is both exciting and scary because I guess, especially for pedagogical educational products, the journeys are even more harder than for a traditional startups because you have so much cultural nuances and hurdles, etc. So fingers crossed because Poland is an amazing market with more than 100,000 teachers in our age group. And we're, you know, we're quite ambitious. We want to, you know, we want to be serving 20% of them in the next 18 months because everything, you know, to us, it's easy to be ambitious because everything we do converts in, you know, in meeting children faster, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, that is so fascinating. And last question for you. I know when COVID hit, it's a big roller coaster, you know, trying to trying to grow a startup. But has there been another big hurdle or obstacle that you've had to overcome since launching Teachers Lead Tech? And what was it and, and how did you overcome it? <laughs> For me, my guess is just the time management. You've got three kids. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That one, you know, it's just feels like a no brainer. The biggest hurdle I had to overcome personally was fear of failing because, because when the pandemic hit and then we, or we were in the first lockdown, I was, I had to finalize an investment, homeschool my three kids with the business and, you know, make sure that no one gets fired from the, business before, which was, you know, basically after a school club for kids when everything shut down. So, and, um, and convincing investors that EdTech solution for primary school in list teachers in Lithuania can be an actual business <laughs> was, you know, was really scary. And to me, you know, the scariest part was actually failing my kids because I had to choose my big dream which no one said we're going to work out. And uh, instead of being a calm mom, taking care of them, being this crazy, anxious, unpredictable mom who, you know, is following her dreams. So it's, it's still tough, I'd say. But yeah, I'm, I've learned to be a bit more compassionate to myself in the last few years. So. Good. Yeah. Good for you. Okay, Monica, thank you so much for being on Innovators Can Laugh. For everybody listening, definitely catch this wherever you listen to, wherever you listen to podcasts or on YouTube. We're now on YouTube. You can catch the full show there and uh, subscribe it if you like it. And I'll be back next week with Innovators Can Laugh. Thanks again, Monica. Bye. Cheers. Bye, everyone. 
for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, I'd really appreciate it if you could give us a review and star rating. Also, don't forget to sign up for the ICO newsletter at innovatorscanlaugh.com where you can get the bio and details of each guest. Thanks.